Welcome to the Project Zion podcast. This podcast explores the unique spiritual and theological gifts Community of Christ offers for today's world. Hello, and welcome to the Project Zion podcast. I'm your host, Carla Long, and you are listening to Holy Grounds, a series where we discuss spiritual practices and how they change your life. Today, I'm with my friend Monica, who's going to talk about a really cool spiritual practice that she loves, and I think you're going to love too. Monica, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Hi, Carla. Hi. Monica, tell us about yourself. So my name is Monica English. Uh, I live in Orem, Utah. I have spent most of my life in this area. I am... um, mother to 12 children. We have a big family adopted and born to us. Uh, Right now, I am a student working on my bachelor's degree. I'm studying peace and justice studies and religious studies, as well as minoring in gender studies. So you keep, you know, kind of busy, a little bit. Really busy. (laughs) Yes, really busy. So it surprises me that you have any time at all for spiritual practices. I think it's pretty amazing that you do. So I want you to tell us about um, your favorite spiritual practice, if you would. I will. I love labyrinths. Um, Walking labyrinths is my favorite way. I was able to walk my first labyrinth probably about 15 years ago at a retreat in California. Um, And and found it really meaningful, but didn't see it as a spiritual practice at that time because the retreat was not a spiritual retreat. Um, so just to, just to talk a little bit about what a labyrinth is, uh, a lot of people go to the idea that a labyrinth is a maze. A labyrinth is different than a maze in some really crucial ways. Where a maze, you have to make decisions about which way to go. Um, you'll come to dead ends. It's kind of a puzzle to figure out. A labyrinth has one pathway. It's a circuitous pathway. It, um, you feel lost in it at times. Uh, but if you follow the path one foot in front of the other, you will find yourself eventually in the middle. And then the path out is the same one that you took in. Um, and what, what this does is it allows for the movement of the body um, and that uh, feeling of, of letting go of needing to know where you are on the path to allow for a really beautiful meditation. Um, I have since walked labyrinths in a number of states and found them in other countries. Um, it's, it's surprising how, uh, how many labyrinths we find, um, my husband and I, or me by myself, um, just, I, I must be drawn to them <laughs> because I, I stumble across them in places I'm not expecting. I've walked them in, um, uh, Boston and in Utah and in California. I have traced them in Ireland, Idaho. The interesting thing about a labyrinth is it's a, it's a three part meditation. You start at the opening of the path to the labyrinth and the, the walk in is usually a period of flexion or recognizing, releasing 
when you reach the middle, there's a time of illumination or receiving. And then the walkout is a union or a returning. And I read these and thought, what do they mean? What do they really mean? I've walked labyrinths many different ways. I've led community labyrinth walks. Those are, those are some of my favorite. If I'm walking them by myself, typically I will go and have something on my mind. We have a labyrinth that's a really beautiful labyrinth about a half an hour away from our home in a, what looks like an abandoned field. <laughs> um, and so that's typically where I go if I want a labyrinth walk locally. And I take this concern or a need to be closer to God or a weight that I'm carrying. And on my way in, I take a stop at the entrance and center myself and recognize the purpose of my being there. And then the walk in can often to me feel a bit heavy and slow. I really focus on that that feeling of heaviness of the thing or the concern or the prayer that I have that was that was enough that I wanted something more than just a meditation in my bedroom. I walk those paths back and forth, in and out. The way labyrinths are designed, you don't necessarily get closer and closer to your goal. There are times when you seem very close to your goal, very close to the center, and yet you have quite a bit of walking ahead of you, and other times when you are at the outer edges of the labyrinth, but the path is close. And I love those those analogies for life. When I get to the center, that is my time to be quiet and still. I'll stand or sit and pray or meditate or just think on the thing that I have brought that is weighing me down or holding me back or needs deciding. I can stay there. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's a minute or two. Sometimes it's not though. Sometimes I can stay in the middle for 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes until I feel like I've done the, I've made use of the process is probably a better way to put it. I've made use of the process and feel a lightning or an unwinding. And at that point I turn and walk out and the The walk out for me is a meditation on taking the insights that I have received or feeling the lightness of letting go and also focusing on how the changed me can step into the world a slightly different person on my way out. Well, that is beautiful. That is such a interesting way to look at a labyrinth. I totally understand the idea of movement in a spiritual practice. Mm. You know, you can almost feel like the weight coming off of your shoulders. You can, you walk even, maybe even walk differently when you're going in and coming out. You know, you're, maybe your gait is changed or yes. I totally understand that. That's really yeah. interesting. And for me, I am not a good still meditator. I find the rhythms of my mind with the rhythms of my body rather than finding, you know, than being able to sit in a still place and process or work through a meditation when I'm still. Yeah. Very cool. I thank you so much for that explanation that 
kind of breaks it down a little bit. You know, you're you're not just walking to be walking. You're walking with intention and with purpose yes. in this labyrinth. So I think you might've already gone through a few of them, but are there any tips that you would want to give someone who's trying this practice for the first time? Well, the first, the first tip is how to find a labyrinth <laughs> because um, most people have never seen a labyrinth, even though there may be labyrinths within their own neighborhoods or cities. There is a website called labyrinthlocator.com. Oh, and that's cool. Yeah. That's yeah. It, you can plug in your, your city and look for local labyrinths. It doesn't list them all. I know this just because it, it lists a number of them in Utah. And I happen to know of three other permanent labyrinths in my area. People can put the information for labyrinths in to have it on the website. I wanted to mention this, this website is an offshoot of uh, another website called veriditas, V-E-R-I-D-I-T-A-S.com, or sorry, .org. And Veriditas is a website started by a woman who walked a labyrinth, a reverend who walked a labyrinth in Chartres in, in the 90s, Chartres Cathedral in France, which has one of the oldest permanent labyrinths in a, in a religious setting. And she loved it and had a, um, had a congregation in pain for one reason or another and thought a labyrinth walk would be a, a good way to help her congregation heal. And so she made a labyrinth on canvas and they um, moved all the pews out of their, um, out of Grace Cathedral in California and lay the lay the canvas down and invited people to walk the labyrinth and the line to walk the labyrinth ended up being hours long um, with really powerful experiences by the people who walked it as this community labyrinth walk and she from then on part of what she finds within her ministry is helping people come to this particular spiritual practice so Veriditas is her website about resources and labyrinth events. You can train to be a labyrinth, trained labyrinth facilitator. And then labyrinth locator is her way of, and their way of helping people find labyrinths throughout the world to walk. Um, so that's, that's the first thing is finding a labyrinth. Um, and the the next tip I would say is is to go like you said with intention. Um, you can you can walk a labyrinth as a as a fun exercise, and it's actually fun to have kids involved in our community labyrinth walks because a lot of times they are just speed demons through that labyrinth, but they love it. They love it, and a lot of times they will walk the first time or run <laughs> the first time and then um, want to do it again and slow their pace down. I have um, a finger labyrinth. It's, um, it's probably two feet wide. It's made of wood and has the labyrinth path carved into it, um, which allows me to trace it with my finger. Uh, and I thought I was buying this for me so that when I could not get to a physical labyrinth, I was 
able to, um, you know, get that, get a little taste of that process at home. Um, but I found that my five and six year old, uh, have taken it over <laughs> and it's, it's their thing. They, they love those, those pathways. I mean, and I don't know of any five or six year old that couldn't use just a little bit of calming down sometimes. And I'm sure yeah. it's a really good calming technique. Yeah, I, yes, I actually have used it when they are upset or angry and told them they can, they can be angry as long as they want, but when they want to come out of the room, I have to see them walk the lab or walk the labyrinth with their finger once. And that gives them the time in a, in a place of concentration that I know they've really let go of that tantrum. (laughs) That is wonderful. That's wonderful. So um, I know you probably don't get a walk labyrinth every day, but when you do it, how are you changed? How are you different afterward? Well, maybe the best way to talk about that is to just share recent experience I had with the labyrinth. This one I actually made um, at Cascade Camp, our, our church campground in Cascade, Idaho. I was there for as a counselor for a junior and senior high teen camp. And I was in charge of the theme classes. I've always, for, for a good 10 years, have wanted to make my own labyrinth in some way and have never had the opportunity. And this seemed like the perfect opportunity. There was a space that was just wide enough for um, a labyrinth in the, in the uh, sanctuary or chapel area with a concrete floor that I could put painter's tape down on. And I had time in class prep to go and work on this labyrinth um, for a few days, a little bit at a time. And I didn't know how it would turn out because it, it seemed like a daunting, a daunting task <laughs> to, uh, to make a labyrinth and have it turn out so that you don't come to a dead end or, um, but I, but I did it using rope and, um, anchoring the rope and making circles and then cutting out the pathways and it. It ended up being beautiful. So after the junior senior high camp, um, we opted to leave it for a women's retreat that I was also participating in. And I, this one, you can walk a labyrinth a lot of different ways. Um, you can, you can use props or different approaches. Sometimes I've done things like have water and oil and chocolate and grapes in the center and tell people when they get to the center to um, use those implements however um, they feel called to, to assist with their spiritual practice. I've done ones where community labyrinth walks where people bring something that's small and meaningful that they are willing to let go of. And when they get to the center, they drop it in a bowl of implements or elements or things that other people have brought and they take a different one away. This one in Cascade, I did as a, a walk of forgiveness or releasing because we all have things within ourselves that are holding us back that we haven't forgiven ourselves or a grudge we've held on to or a harm we've done to someone else or to ourselves. And so with this labyrinth walk, there was a podium right before the entrance with a small piece of paper and a marker. And the instructions were to write a word that um, represented that 
um, that thing they wanted to forgive themselves for. And I encouraged people to actually write a letter to themselves in the past um, about this event or incident. And then the paper was just a reminder. And then as, as they walk the labyrinth, they have this physical reminder of, of the reason they're walking. In the center, there was a bowl in which to tear the paper into tiny little pieces, drop them in the bowl, and then walk out. And I, I suggested that people notice the difference in their body, in their breathing, in their, in their spirit and soul as they walked back out of the labyrinth without that need to judge themselves anymore for that, that thing that they had chosen. I walked this labyrinth knowing that there was a difficult decision I had ahead of me that I needed to make, that I had committed to too much and I needed to back out of some of those responsibilities. And I felt terribly guilty about committing to more than I could do. And so I walked this labyrinth knowing I needed to forgive myself for committing to too much and for possibly hurting people who I had committed to that I was now not going to be able to follow through on. And the weight of that was heavy as I walked it, very heavy. And I remember the feel of that little yellow piece of paper in my hand as I walked and getting to the center. I couldn't tear it up right away. It was not I, I, I needed to sit with that. And eventually I um, tearfully tore the paper um, into tiny little pieces and left my burdens in the middle and walked out knowing that it was okay. And that it would, I would, I would be offered grace by the people that I had committed to but more than that, I had offered myself grace um, as well. Well, that's that's a really lovely story. Thank you, Monica, for sharing that. That's that is a pretty significant way your life was changed <laughs> in yeah. walking a labyrinth. Um, so you've talked about your your favorite. I, I guess it's a personal practice, right? It's not a group practice, or it can be either. Yeah, that's walk the labyrinth alone. But community labyrinths have a completely different feel because you, rather than just walking in and out uninterrupted in a group or a community labyrinth walk, you come face to face with people who are walking in while you're walking out or vice versa. And it's always interesting to me to watch people interact in that moment when to continue the path, one has to give way for another. And sometimes that's done just by stepping to the side. Sometimes a, a hug or an embrace is given as people pass each other. So yeah, it can be either. Interesting. Well, um, what is your second favorite uh, spiritual practice then? My second favorite spiritual practice. Or, or your favorite group practice. I really like Lectio Divina or Dwelling in the Word. Um, I particularly like it when there is a different spin on it. I find that whether it's labyrinth walking or Lectio Divina or meditation, 
for me, doing something the same way over and over again um, puts me a little bit to sleep. And having a different um, question asked during Lectio Divina when you when you look at a passage of scripture one way and then a second way and then you read it again and you reconsider it in another way and um, and then it's read again and you consider it a third time. Um, when When people have brought just their own spin on the way to approach the scripture to meditate on that scripture. I really, really like that. And I love the sharing aspect of Lectio Divina in, in a group setting because everybody comes to slightly different insights on the scripture that I would not have come to myself. And the things that I offer are also um, that way for other people. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, so Monica, I know that you're in school right now and you are kind of the resource person. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm assuming you have some resources to share with us. That I talk about do. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've already mentioned two of the three that I wanted to bring up. So that would be, um, labyrinthlocator.com and veriditas.org. Um, there is also um, a book that I really like um, talking about uh, the labyrinth as a spiritual practice. And this book is called Exploring the Labyrinth, a Guide for Healing and Spiritual Growth. It's by Melissa Gale West. And I appreciate this book. It gives some some basic history but it goes into a number of different ways that you can approach the labyrinth as a, as a spiritual practice or a, um, a device or a practice for healing. That sounds awesome. Uh, thank you for that. And if I'm, you can tell me I'm wrong if I'm wrong, but you've also written a paper, right? I have. Yeah. I, uh, in one of my religious studies courses, Myth, Magic, and Religion, um, we were instructed to write a five-page paper. It's not very long on, on a spiritual practice or ritual or, um, uh, or event. Um, and I chose the, the labyrinth in Chartres in France um, because that is my, that's my favorite pattern to walk. There are different patterns and the chart style labyrinths are my favorite. So I have that and I'm happy to um, send that over to you and let you put it up on the website. That'd be great. I'm sure our listeners would love to read it. Um, well, Monica, thank you so much for being on the podcast and thank you for sharing something that is really meaningful to you. We've had a lot of different spiritual practices discussed on Holy Grounds, but we've never talked about a labyrinth. So I'm really excited for people to hear about it. Oh, and one thing you should mention is there is a labyrinth at the Temple in Independence. Ah, yes. And it's really cool. It's not on the ground level. It's on the actually the second level. It's outside on the um, rooftop level. And it's really cool. Ah, yeah. And it is, I have not made it to walk the labyrinth there, but I will. <laughs> it is beautiful. It's really, really nice. And you get a really good view of the temple spiral and uh, out. Oh, you get also a good view of the, the world map, um, the world plaza. Oh, yeah, oh that really sounds cool. beautiful. Yeah. Well, again, Monica, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you is for inviting any- me. You're welcome. Is there anything else that you wanted to share that I didn't ask? Mm, nope. I think we covered it all. 
Fantastic. Well, thanks again. And, um, talk to you soon. Alrighty. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Project Zion Podcast. Subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast streaming service you use. And while you are there, give us a five-star rating. Project Zion Podcast is sponsored by Latter-day Seeker Ministries of Community of Christ. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are of those speaking and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of Latter-day Seeker Ministries or Community of Christ. The music has been graciously provided by Dave Hines.